Books, The Final Frontier. These are the discussions of the podcast Sword and Laser, its continuing mission to explore strange new science fiction and fantasy novels, to seek out new characters and new beverages, to boldly read where no one has read before. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to join the mission. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. Oh, and me, I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. But, as reviewed by many, we also tell you what we're drinking. (laughs) More on that later. Uh, Tom, what are you drinking this week? I am actually, I'm so excited to talk about it, I am drinking an Armagnac, which is a kind of brandy. Brandy, brandy. Can, brandy can be brandy, it can be cognac, or it can be Armagnac, depending on the region. Uh, this is an Armagnac, a Baron de Lustrac, limited edition. So I'm, I'm having a brandy. There's brandy. like two people two people in the audience who got that brandy joke. Yeah, but and I they speaking, loved it. I was speaking directly to them, very yeah. specifically. Buzz Out Loud so. fans represent. I am drinking a little bit of Bullet Rye. Um, mm. I started out with a much fancier bourbon earlier in the evening, and I just didn't want to Drink more of it because it's fancy and expensive. Because <laughs> you wanted to save it. That makes perfect yeah. sense. It's perfectly so, reasonable. Don't drink like, the fancy expensive bourbon on the second glass. Right. Right. No, right? I think that's wise. Okay. Wise words from Veronica Belmont. Wise words, Belmont. You know what else is wise? What? Being quick with the burns. Hey, uh, congratulations to the Nebula Award winners. Uh, Silvana posts this in our Quick Burns thread where we get all the best news. Uh, and big congratulations to N.K. Jemison, who won for The Stone Sky for Best Novel. Also, uh, Martha Wells, All Systems Red, took home Best Novella. Kelly Robson, A Human Stain, Best Novelette. Rebecca Roanhorse, welcome to your Authentic Indian Experience TM, Best Short Story. And the Ray Bradbury Award for Outstanding Dramatic Presentation went to Get Out, Jordan Peele's film. Andre Norton Award for Outstanding Young Adult Science Fiction or Fantasy Book went to The Art of Starving by Sam J. Miller. Very cool. I also kind of dig that the blog post uh, is on The Verge. Like, I know that they do culture stuff, but it, it really kind of makes me feel like, wow, like sci-fi fantasy is like mainstream pop culture now. Right. Nebula Awards are being covered by blogs Nebula like the Nebula Awards are like the Academy Awards. Basic to me, to, to us they are. Well, wait, um, also, which one does more drinking, the Hugos or the Nebulas? Because that's the Golden Globes and then the other one's the Academy Awards. <laughs> um, I, I thought it was also very sweet that uh, N.K. Jemison found out that she won uh, on Twitter. Oh, that is She sweet. was not at the ceremony. She found <laughs> yeah. it on Twitter. Yeah, she couldn't Aww. make the ceremony. Well, I'm sorry um, she couldn't make the ceremony. Yeah, but it was it was she she seemed very excited. So congrats Good. to her. Well deserved. John Taloni says Gail Carriger's How to Marry a Werewolf is now out. Uh, this is one of a series of novellas that Gail is putting out herself, he says. They are all set in the timeline of the Parasol Protectorate books and feature secondary characters from those works. So this no. is interesting. Yeah, we were talking before the show because she's is this like going to be a new trend like authors putting out works of of extended fiction from their universes on their own from what i have gleaned from the authors we have talked to uh and some of my own experience i guess a little bit is 
you go to a publisher when the publishers and your interests align because you will sell more books and make more money if that's the case. Uh, You self-publish when the publishers and your interests don't align. uh, And sometimes you can make a lot of money doing it that way because you have a, a, a rabid fan base. So if I'm reading the tea leaves here, and I'm just reading the tea leaves, I I don't have any inside information, it feels like these are stories that weren't quite to the publisher's liking, maybe not big enough, maybe because they weren't about the main characters, whatever reason, publisher's like, "Mm, why don't you just go ahead and do those yourselves? And and that's great for Gail because she gets to put out more stories, and she has a built-in audience from the Parasol Protectorate who will love these stories. So in a way, everybody wins because this is going to drive more people to the main books as well, I would think. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's a very interesting symbiotic relationship there. I Yeah, uh, you know, I am curious how many people it would draw to the main books because they are kind of about secondary characters. So like, I feel like it's more like if you just can't get enough of the Parasol Protectorate or you've read them all already and all the other books that are related to it, I, I'm sure it will send some people, but I feel it's, it's more like the existing fans who are going to be really clamoring. Well, and I... I guess when I was thinking when I said it might drive people to the main books is not that people would pick up these necessarily, although that might happen, but I think you're right. It's it's less likely, but it would just get people talking about the books more, right? Mm-hmm. So the people who mm-hmm. love them are picking this up and reading it, and there's more surface area, if you will, of people reading Gail Carriger that then talk about it with their friends. Uh, and everyone and it, and should, it, and everyone should talk about yeah, it with their friends because exactly. they're amazing. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, Nokomis.fl was surprised to see that Dennis E. Taylor, uh, writer of We Are Legion, We Are Bob, the Bobiverse, has a new book coming out June 5th called June 5th, sorry, <laughs> called The Singularity Trap. Surprised also to see it listed as an audible audiobook. No Kindle or Dead Tree version listed yet. Usually it's the other way around. Anyway, it's a new series, which is good, though. I, Nokomis.fl, would have preferred a sequel to Outland, his first book in the Worldline series. Now, I know that Audible exclusive really is exclusive, not just to the format. Um, This is something Audible has been pursuing, I know, because they want to bring authors to their platform. They want to put them on the platform, and they Mm -hmm. want to have a bunch of Audible originals, and... I I imagine that we will see the singularity trap as an ebook and a print book at some point. There's probably a limited window where Audible has right. the exclusive, but you're probably going to see this happen more often, I think. I think that's cool. And I think that I, I believe We Are Legion, We Are Bob did pretty well on Audible also. So maybe, you know, they they know he's got an existing fan base there. That makes sense, yeah. And it was a it was a big hit series, so it makes makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, Dara Dara says George R. R. Martin's short story The Ice Dragon is getting adapted into an animated film. This is pretty cool. Yeah, before you get too excited, The Ice Dragon does not take place in the Saga and Ice and Fire universe. It's a it's a, a kid's story, um, but still very cool uh, nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be a it's a kid friendly short story uh, that it's based on. Uh, Deadline is reporting on this adaptation as well. Um, and despite the title, says uh, the AV Club, what publishers insist on saying the book isn't technically connected, as you said, to the Song of Ice and Fire series. Uh, the original story predates Game of Thrones, uh, which means it actually predates the creation of Westeros. Yeah. Um. So it's about a girl named Adara who was born. Or is it in Adara? A... Oh shoot. Wow, <laughs> that's something. That is something. Good, good call. All right. Well, the ice dragon is about a girl named Adara Adara, uh, who was born in a long winter and befriends a legendary ice dragon. So, 
obviously he had the long winter idea already in his head when when he yeah. wrote the ice dragon. And then he's like, you know what this on. needs? You know what this needs? More murder. Yeah, he's like, you know what? That kid's book was fun, and I'm sure everyone will enjoy it of all ages. But what will really make this work is more murder, more death, more murder. Just like Unfortunately, real horrible. That will make shit. a very good kids book. I, yeah. I wonder. I mean, they make a point in this AV Club story about emphasizing this is not in the Song of Ice and Fire, even though it's a long winter, even though it's got an ice dragon. It's not in Song of Ice and Fire. I wonder if George R. R. Martin just decided he didn't want to retcon this in because it was written before a Song of Ice and Fire, so I'm sure it wasn't meant to be. But feels like it could be. I mean, I haven't read the book though. It could have been. Yeah, it could have been prehistory or something for them. Anyway. Cool to see the, an animated film. Uh, it's going to feel very Game of Thrones-like, uh, obviously. So that's cool. Uh, Scott wrote that Jonathan Mayberry's book V-Wars is getting a Netflix adaptation uh, starring Ian Summerhalder, whom I think of as Boone from Lost, but most think of as the guy from The Vampire Diaries. Yeah, I guess. Is that where I... I, that, I don't feel like that's where I know him from. From either of those? No. I feel like I know him from something earlier, but I don't well, know lost, from what. Lost was pretty early. Maybe, I guess it sure, was lost. You're right. You're I'm sure, sure it was bad? lost. It's definitely lost. You're right. You know, I think I got him confused with the guy from um, Beverly Hills 90210, the one oh. who was in Sharknado. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. He's He's got the look. Um, <laughs> but no, he is he is mostly known as, as Damon Salvatore uh, from The Vampire Diaries. And in fact, even me... Stopped saying Boone every time I walked through the room and Eileen was watching the Vampire Tyrees and I saw him on screen. I just She's like, stop I, that. I finally got, well, she did, but uh, that didn't stop me at first. Eventually, I'm just like, oh, he's Damon now. He's been doing this too long. Well, it's kind of uh, like. But he won't be. He will not be a vampire in this. He will be a doctor trying to help out his friend who has been infected and turned into a vampire who's become the leader of the underworld. And I think they sort of become enemies. So there's a little bit of that Salvatore not brother on brother, but friend on friend dynamic there. Hmm. Interesting. I feel like we're getting a few of those kinds of shows. Yeah. Ian gets to up. be the good guy in this one. Well, in very, very good news, as Silvana says, it is a done deal. The Expanse has been saved, and recent the uh, recent fan campaign has truly been awesome. And she says she's glad it paid off. Here's to six more seasons. I am so happy. I am yes. really relieved. Um, I, gosh, between Brooklyn Nine Nine and The Expanse being saved, is that what the name of the show is? I don't watch it. Brooklyn Nine Nine or The Expanse? Brooklyn Nine Nine. I watch okay. The Expanse. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, you, mean you said really... The Expanse last. It confused me. Uh, yes, it's called Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, well, first of all, for those who haven't caught up on this story, The Expanse was canceled by Sci-Fi. After it finishes this season, it wasn't going to get another season on Sci-Fi. Ugh. But Amazon stepped in and said, we're going to take it. Uh, we're going to give it a third season. Uh, this is interesting in so many ways. The most important way is I get to keep seeing the crew of the Rosinanti. I get to read about the crew of the Rosinanti, and that makes me very happy. But right. it's extra happiness to be able to see them. And especially after last week's episode, it really felt like this is the point where I fell in love with this crew in the books, and now it's happening on TV. How dare you cancel them? Uh, and now they're not. So they're going to be brought to Amazon, which for some people may be a, a bummer because maybe they already pay for cable or they get cable somehow, and now they don't. Maybe they don't have Amazon Prime, and now they're going to have to. But at least it's being saved. At least it's going to keep being made. What's very interesting is Netflix holds the international rights. And Netflix mm. 
mm-hmm. will probably, that hasn't been made clear, probably continue to hold the international rights. Netflix didn't pick it up domestically. Why is that? That's very intriguing. Mm. Uh, I have my own theories about this, and I'm sure they will make uh, Daniel and Ty laugh hysterically at how wrong <laughs> I am. Uh, but I want to hear them. What's your theory? M- my theory about this, and I've talked about it uh, on other shows, is that Well, this part, first part is not a theory. Sci-fi, apparently, by all reports, uh, didn't want to pick it up because they don't have the rights to rebroadcast. They only got the first airing rights. Okay. So all the on-demand rights and everything were still held by Alcon, uh, the production company, and and, and given to to other outlets. And and so Sci-Fi... And this is actually true with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, why NBC took it. NBC was producing Brooklyn Nine-Nine and had the rights for streaming and everything and we're, mm-hmm. we're seeing a general consolidation so it's not a surprise that sci-fi would cancel the expanse here uh i think that they knew this was a possibility and that's why they kept the rights in the negotiations and it was very smart because they gambled that even if sci-fi got through a couple seasons and didn't want to keep going without the rights because they had those rights, it would benefit the production company and it would put them in the driver's seat to find another home because there is Netflix and Amazon and Hulu, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and the gamble seems to, have, if if it was a gamble, seems to have paid off because Amazon has picked them up. I, I like that theory. That's a very well thought out theory. It's a very businessy theory. I do a show mm-hmm. called Cord Killers where we follow this business very closely. That's why I'm thinking along these lines. I'm sure there's a sliver of truth in there. I'm, I, know, I know I haven't gotten it all right. Yeah, it may not be the full truth, but I bet there's something something in there that runs along those lines. Uh, but also, Nakoma Stadafel says the team of James S.A. Corey, of course, are writing a new space opera trilogy. So they're going to keep making cool stuff no matter what happens. And uh, are you, you must be excited about this because yeah, you I'm, absolutely I'm very loved uh, The Expanse. I mean, I love the crew. So part of mm-hmm. me is like, oh, mm-hmm. it's not going to be Holden and crew, but okay. Uh, I think what got me most excited is in the press release, Ty Frank says that The Expanse drew on things like Alien and Alfred Bester's The Star's My Destination, which we have read on Sword and Laser. So y'all know, you know, Did you know what he's talking stars? about. We didn't read, we read Alfred Bester, but we didn't read that book. I thought that was the book we read. No, I don't think so. All right. You keep talking about you the check Expanse. on that. I'll go look it up. Okay. Anyway, we'll go with the Bester reference. Uh, Alien, <laughs> of course, was, was, was a fundamental movie in my, my life growing up. And I can see that. I can see the Expanse. What gets me so excited is that this new series will explore the high concept science fiction that followed Alfred Bester, books like Dune, Hyperion, The Left Hand mm. of Darkness, all of which I'm 100% certainly have read. No. Uh, okay. And Daniel Abraham says, it's big spectacle, far future space opera, while never, never losing our focus on the complexity of human nature. So he, seeing James S.A. Corey leave our timeline and our solar system to do a Dune meets Hyperion meets Left Hand of Darkness, at least in tone, uh, a, a series sounds amazing to me. So two factoids. Uh, one, we read Bester's The Demolished Man. Ah, crap. Okay, fine. In September of 2013. And did you know that the largest tree in the world is named Hyperion? Huh. Did we talk? I feel like we talked about that when we read Hyperion. About the tree? Yeah. I don't know. I don't it's know. not a That's murder probably tree. probably deja vu. It's not like a tree with razor blades on it or anything. Thank- or goodness murder death tree well 
you've read Alfred Bester, you've read Dune, you've read Hyperion, you've read Left Hand of Darkness because you are the quintessential sword and laser fan. Uh, and so now you are perfectly positioned to enjoy this new series from James S. A. Corey. Absolutely. All right. Uh, on Saturn News, uh, Silvana noted the passing of Gardner DeZoy. Uh, Silvana says, I only started reading short fiction anthologies a few years ago, but I'm already feeling the loss. Uh, and yeah, it seemed like all the best anthologies were edited by Gardner. Uh, and I, I, I just... I don't know who's going to pick up that mantle. George R. R. Martin is the other great editor of anthologies that I could think of off the top of my head. I think he, John Joseph he, Adams. Uh, John Joseph Adams, good one. Uh, maybe John Joseph Adams, because George is busy. I think, honestly, if they if they picked up John Joseph Adams to edit the year's best science fiction collection, I think that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, and it would be. he would be very well suited for that. I'm sure there's there's tons of other editors out there, but I I just oh, and course. I'm not saying that just because I've been in one of his collections, <laughs> um, but he's he's brilliant and he, he Wait a does minute. some amazing. I had thought of that little conflict I mean, of interest. That's not a conflict I'll of say interest. That I think Veronica's still right. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but it, it is. But yes, getting back to uh, that that news, I think it was. A lot of people were were grieving for for that loss. He's a, was an, an incredible talent. Whoever they get, it's huge shoes to fill. Uh, Fifteen his, Hugo Awards. He for will editing. be missed. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and then Kenley says a shout out for a sword and laser in Library Journal, the most trusted and respected publication for the library community. The article is about podcasts in general and includes a plug in the section on fantasy and sci-fi. I've included the entire section here because it may be of interest too. Second paragraph is on SNL. Would you like to? Do you want to read it? Sword and Laser is a long-running literary sci-fi fantasy podcast hosted by Veronica Belmont and Tom Merritt. <laughs> they not only highlight current reading picks, but also present a very active companion discussion forum on Goodreads and run an ongoing SFF book club alternating between the two genres. Belmont also co-hosts the Vaginal Fantasy Book Club with Felicia Day, featuring romance novels by female authors. Bonus, learn what the hosts are drinking each episode. I feel very validated. I did. With you the uh, what are we drinking segment made it into the blurb. That was my favorite part of the entire blurb. I, I mean, it's all very nice, obviously, but but when they got to like, ooh, what are we drinking? Made the blurb. Yay. That was very nice. All right. Well, now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. So I Panda JC over on Twitter says, if you go to read a fantasy or sci-fi book, what three things are you looking for that will make you want to read it? Let me know as I'm writing my book and hitting walls. Oh, I was like, huh, this is a difficult question. And then when he said, oh, I'm writing my book, I, I'm like, ah, smart. Very did, smart. You, did you did you going through the process of writing your many novels at this point, Tom, have you have you are there notes you feel like you need to hit to make them popular or like to get people's attentions? <laughs> no. I'm <laughs> actually the, asking, like, I'm, like is no, there anything in the back I, of your I'm, mind? I'm actually answering uh, because this is one of the reasons that I haven't really pursued writing more seriously as, as far as like, uh, go get the big publisher contract mm -hmm. is I don't write them to be popular. I write them because I'm like, Ooh, I like the story. I want to write it which means I'm not always sure that anyone's going to like it. So when people like them, I'm often flummoxed. Uh, but even so, 
there's always there's always the main story and then there's mm-hmm. the how do I go about it? How do I approach it? Mm-hmm. And how do I approach it is where I feel like you have the most latitude to say, well, if I approach it this way, maybe people will like the story more. Or maybe they'll access its story. Maybe it'll mean more. And that's the same thing that Panda is talking about here, which is, you know, what are the three things you're looking for? Maybe I can tell the story I want to tell and still hit those things so that it's better for everybody. And, you know, honestly, for me, it changes. I, like, I'm always looking for something different, I think. Um, I do tend to gravitate more towards, uh, I don't know. That's really hard. I feel like we read very varied types of books. and Yeah, we're kind of polluted. I'm not sure what the... Yeah, because I'm not sure what the tie we've that spent bind is. So many years just focusing on like let's keep reading different things mm-hmm. that I almost have suppressed that part of me that is picky because I want to open myself up to all these. But I'll, t- I'll tell you what, put a spaceship in it, and I'm in. And for uh, me, it's like put in put in a kick-ass lady wielding a sword, and I'm probably <laughs> in. Yeah, uh, tell me it's uh, like far future p- and post-apocalyptic, right? Yeah. All, all of the universe has fallen and only these people are left. Uh that's that's another thing I love. That's pretty I, that's pretty narrow, but I also really like magic systems and animal familiars. Mm. And and technology. If it has like crazy technology that you can explain on the book jacket. It's like this hyperdrive has allowed them to see through time and avoid spectacles. Spectacles, mm. avoid dangers, maybe. It would be Tentacle sex, I'm kind of into that. That's something. Is that the whiskey talking? That's, no. Okay. What, you you haven't read Cthulhu Erotica? I mean, I'm just putting uh, that out there. I mean, it's not one of my three things. It's just, you know, one y'all. of the things. <laughs> just one of the many things. Eight Isn't things, you know. That's hente? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, it is. It is, kind of. Yeah. But not really. I would That's never where Google. My head I would never, went. That's why I was like. I know. I'm sorry. Hello? I don't really. I, I mean, I really have only ever read Cthulhu Erotica, which I don't think would really qualify as hentai. Hentai? Mm. Hunta, hentai? Yeah, however. That means you tentacle say it. porn. It's basically tentacle porn. Delta has uh, cheap flights to Japan this summer. I've been five times. We can go and find <laughs> out directly. How do you pronounce this? Hentai? What is this? You get off the plane, you're like, hello, (laughs) hello, good sirs. I'm looking for your finest hentai. (laughs) And how do you say that properly? Arigato gozaimashita. They would very politely tell you. (laughs) Sumimasen. Uh, Hentai kurasai. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, arigato gozaimashita. That was like, anybody who speaks Japanese is like, what did you just say? Yeah, they're like, your accents are... any of those words go together? I was kind of like, I had the basic idea. I think I was getting there. I picked it up. Oh, thank you. It may have been baby talk, but I picked it up. (laughs) All right. Uh, Hey, one of my favorite series is now on eBooks everywhere. In case you're missing a good series of books, says Jane Linskold. No, I messed it up. Jane did not say that. I I didn't put the person's name in the message, so now I have to go find it. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, um, that's weird that Jane's saying this about her own books. Uh, No, Because the tweet was from Jane Linskold. But someone said this and linked to Jane Linskold's tweet. Uh, yes. Jane Linskold, author of the Firekeeper saga. One of the projects I've been working on over these past many months is putting together new editions of the Firekeeper ebooks through Wolf's Eyes, Wolf's Head, Wolf's Heart, The Dragon of Despair, Wolf Captured, Wolf Hunting, and Wolf's Blood, all now available in new editions for both Moby and EPUB formats from Amazon Kindle, Nook, Kobo, iTunes, and Google Play. Thank you to Nigel, who posted that original Sorry, tweet. Sorry, Nigel, for <laughs> confusing you with Jane Linskold. 
of the fire keepers. Uh, who, by the way, uh, I believe was in uh, AIE as a uh, extra lifer, uh, frog pants pal, and uh, has the Twitter Not handle Jane Linskold. No, and has the Twitter handle Boba Fetish. Wow. Oh, Boba Fetish. Wow. You should have yeah. just said that at the beginning. I know. I know, I know exactly I love that. who you're talking about. So uh, this was especially interesting to me um, because I, I feel like I haven't talked about her stuff in years. But Jane Linscold and Through Wolf's Eyes was one of the very first fantasy series I read. Uh, the Firekeeper Saga was one of my favorites as a kid. Um, and so when I found out she was on Twitter and that she had been CC'd into a discussion with us. I got very fangirly, like real fast. And like, I did that thing where I got kind of sweaty and weird, you know, like when I talk, talk to Robin Hobb, I get like real, like, like (laughs) bizarre. And Robin Um, Hobb is the nicest person on earth. She's so nice. She's so nice and has been wonderful. Um, But I, I definitely, I get that. We're like, Oh, 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 hi, hi. I I like books with wolves. And, yeah, and I love them. And well, and that's why what happened is that I like I read through Wolf's Eyes, and then I was like, I want to read more books about fantasy wolves, and so I went right to Assassin's Apprentice. Mm, nice. So yeah. yeah, there was a very natural progression there. Um, so cool, Nigel. Thank you for the heads up. Thank you, Boba Fett as well. <laughs> we had a thread over on the forums about digital public libraries, which I have seen you folks in the forums talking about a lot over the years. And so I thought we'd, we'd chat about that a bit. Uh, Jason says, anyone else use their public library to check out ebooks? I don't know how many copies libraries generally get or how all that works with the publisher, but it seems like all the books I want to check out digitally are in hold lines up to six months long. Also, the Dead Tree editions are usually available. Is this a sign of the times or are libraries having trouble transitioning? Now, this is something I've thought about a lot because in my mind, I'm like, why is there a limit on the number of digital copies? Just let them rent the digital is it because they have to like make a i feel like tom is gonna really bust out with the most smart sensical answer i've ever heard i'm just i can't wait to hear it it's gonna be something about drm it's gonna be something (laughs) about publishing rights it's gonna be amazing i just it doesn't make sense to me well it's gonna be about publishing rights Um, okay (laughs) so the the re i mean libraries and publishers have a long standing relationship developed over many, many years, not always friendly, but Mm -hmm. fairly friendly now. And libraries have navigated eBooks quite well. It's, it's quite the opposite from having trouble transitioning. Uh, if publishers had their way, libraries wouldn't have any eBooks. I Mm -hmm. I would think, Mm -hmm. uh, at least some of them would be like, why would we do that when we can sell the eBooks? Like you shouldn't get eBooks, but libraries have been very good at convincing publishers. It's in their best interests to allow eBooks because first of all, all these libraries will then give them money for the eBooks uh, and it will expose their authors to audiences that might not otherwise discover them, which might turn them into paying customers later on, which is the whole reason that print libraries work. What has happened is the publishers don't want to give unlimited eBooks because they worry that then people would start using libraries as a substitute for buying. So they Mm. say, well, one of the reasons we're comfortable with print books is we know that you have to pay for every copy you have on the shelf. And when the copy goes out, no one else can get it. So we want to charge you for a number of licenses and say, Mm. you, you, Mm -hmm. you, if you want to have more than five copies out at a time, you got to pay more. Uh, That way we, we do make money off of the libraries buying this. And we're not as worried that it will undermine 
the actual sales. I don't, like, I don't believe that there's too much evidence that it really would undermine the sales, but it makes the publishers feel comfortable and maybe they have data that I don't. So that's kind of why there are limits on this. On the other hand, though, uh, Bill, I think, was the first one who pointed out Hoopla. There's mm. like Overdrive, there's Hoopla, Overdrive does Libby. Uh, these are services that you can get through your library that don't have hold times. Allegedly. Hmm. So I don't hmm. know if the library just pays a little extra surcharge for that. I'm, I haven't looked into how that works, but that's promising that maybe they're loosening up on that. So it, it, it kind of reminds me of like selling software seats. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 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 it's it's software. So like any number of people should be able to use it, but they sell like a certain number of of people that can use it at any given time. This is like and it licensing. sounds like what Hoopla yeah. does is puts the the license limitation on the end user. You can have five titles a month uh, and there are no holds, but you have a limited amount of time to read the book before you have to return it. And so maybe the publishers realize, well, if we put the limit on the on the user, then more people check out the books and it helps us. And, and, and there is a natural limit to how many will be out at once and because they can only have five out at a time. They can't hoard a bunch of eBooks, so. Got it. Well, thank you for everybody for submitting posts, both to the Quick Burns and to the uh, Barrier Sword uh, section. I'm trying to include more tweets. So if you tweet at us yeah. and include us in the replies, like I'll definitely like look for those and, and add them to the lineup. And um, uh, and and letters. And letters. Written yeah. letters. 11870 Santa Monica Boulevard, Suite 106551. How Los do you Angeles, know California, the address to the PO box? Like literally, how do you know that by heart? Oh, because I have to write it a lot. <laughs> 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 that makes sense all right um let's let's uh do we're gonna do a quick kickoff even though it's a little bit not quite june yet uh for a june book pick and uh and tom i i know you have the the blurb for that and then we will wrap up night's master by tanith lee uh kind of briefly probably um but if you want to avoid spoilers for that it'll come after the kickoff for cersei cersei by madeline miller or if you want to be that guy or gal, Kirky. <laughs> or Kierkegaard. Um, it's like Kikero and Cicero. Um, I think, I don't know. I, I'm going to mess it up if I try to explain, but there's an older pronunciation. Sometimes it's Roman, sometimes it's Greek. If you really get into the classics nerds, they will tell you, well, actually, it would be pronounced this way. The accepted pronunciations, though, are to do the C's as S's. That's why you hear Cicero. That's why you hear Circe. That's why the audiobook for Madeline Miller's book is Circe, because Madeline Miller has a degree in classics. So don't question it. Yeah. I don't know if she, she had says, any input she, on the audiobook. Well, actually. she, yeah, and I, I watched a, they included, a, uh, Stephen included a blurb of her reading a snippet of the book um, on YouTube, and she definitely says Circe. I'm Which like, all is, right, if she's, say, if she's saying Circe, I'm going to go with Circe and just... That's how I'm going to say it's it. It's one of those things like saying Nissan instead of uh, Nissan, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> it's adapting to the modern pronunciation. It's saying, look, Circe has become the pronunciation over time. There's a valid justification for it, even in the ancient world for pronouncing it that way. So even if not everyone in the ancient world would have said it that way, that's what we're going to say because everybody knows it, even if it's wrong, quote unquote. And her her island is IIA. IIA is where she lives. And, uh, or you can pronounce uh, Cersei uh, according to Trike as Dara. That's a joke. Dara, Dara. 
It's a joke. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say Ordara. Ordara, depending. <laughs> I was just I was giving space for that. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, Madeline Miller is uh, crazy. Studied classics at Brown, got an MA, uh, studied at the University of Chicago's Committee on Social Thought, the Yale School of Drama, focusing on adapting classical text to modern forms, which is exactly Girl. what she's been doing. Uh, she has uh, this is all in the book briefing on patreon if if you're at the level uh for that i think it's the three dollar level folks get it uh three dollars and up uh but the song of achilles uh won the orange prize for fiction which is now i think now called the women's prize for fiction in 2012 and for her next trick she plans to adapt virgil's ennead uh she's also drawn to shakespeare's the tempest the ennead yeah, you're probably right. Mm, I don't um, know. But she's also drawn to The Tempest, uh, so she might do some Shakespeare in there. Anyway, this is a talent, and she is taking one of my favorite things, ancient mythology, oh, love it. and adapting it in a way, this will tie into The Knight's Master a little, mm-hmm. in a way that feels like I'm being told a story for the first time, even mm-hmm. though all the elements of it are taken from mythology. I mean, it's the oldest of remix cultures, but this is remix culture at, at its finest saying, look, no, you know, Homer's not going to sue for copyright infringement. <laughs> We're safe. Uh, but take that story and make something new out of it. Take the old and make something new. And she really does with Cersei. I yeah, I'm I, I've been reading it already. I, I'm absolutely loving it. And in fact, uh, Ryan, my husband, the other night, he turned to me and he goes, you must really love this book. And I was like, why? And he's like, the whole past week, you've been staying up later than I ah. have reading and not falling asleep within like two seconds of your wow. head hitting the pillow. So like, you must be really into this book. And I was like, yeah, yeah, actually, I kind of am. And I read it all day, like Sunday afternoon, just like sitting on the couch. So it's one of those for me. One of the things I mentioned in the book briefing is she took six years to write this. Five of them, she says, were getting Cersei's voice right. Quote, because she's a goddess, she speaks differently from the way mortals do, more directly. It was tough to capture her tone. Mm. That's cool. That's really cool. I mean, that's somebody bleeding for their art right there. So we are going to wrap up Night's Master. And as Tom mentioned, I think there's a lot of, this is actually a really interesting book to to read Cersei right after Night's Master. What's up? Oh, I just want to make sure we don't miss the, uh, the fact that there is more Cersei discussion to be had. Oh, I wasn't looking at the lineup. <laughs> if you so wish. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Go be my guest. Brea and Mallory from Reading Glasses. Uh, I, they have been kind enough to have me on their show. We're planning a little collaboration with them. Uh, they've been reading Circe, and they're going to do a live stream June 5th from 6 to 7 p.m. Now, I know some of you are saying, hold on, you just announced Circe as the sword and laser pick. I haven't had a time to read it. That's cool. It'll be archived. You can go back and check this later, as well as our book wrap up at the end of the month. Or those of you who are super fast, and I know you're out there too, are already done with Cersei, and you can go enjoy that uh, June 5th from 6 to 7 p.m. on their YouTube channel. We'll have a link in the show notes. I'm going to not watch it live because I don't want it to affect my opinions of Yeah, the book. I'm going to wait till I finish, for sure. Yeah, because I, I, as much as I, I do hop in the forums, I don't read spoilers in the forums while I'm reading a book. I stay away from them. It's not a spoilery thing. I just don't want like ideas you know, implanted in my yeah, mind yeah. about opinions of things. Yeah. Form your own opinions. Makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Um, so as we were saying earlier, like I, I felt like this is a really nice, 
not a companion piece, but like a good follow up, I think, to Knight's Master in many ways, because they're both um, Knight's Master feels very mythological in in many ways. Um, And even though it's more it it does string together various stories that are tied by the common theme of of the demon, um, but they in a way, so does Circe, because it deals with a lot of different stories from Greek mythology um, with Circe either as the linchpin or experiencing those things on the sidelines. Um, so, can, yeah. can you imagine if some future Madeline Miller, hundreds of years from now, Circe'd Knight's Master by Tenneth Lee? Because <laughs> Knight's Master, and we are getting into the spoiler territory, just to be warned, mm-hmm. uh, Knight's Master will, will, will give you connected stories the way Greek mythology is often presented in a classroom, right? You get the mythology paperback and you read through and it's all different stories, but they all tie together because characters reoccur and events in in one story will have impacted something that happens in another story. And Tanith Lee did that on purpose. That's what's so masterful about Knight's Master is that she makes it feel like this is a real mythology that this is a they a real telling by a people of 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 a demon and his effect on the world on the flat earth uh and it would it, it just fascinates me to think of someone then trying to take that and weave it into a narrative the way madeline miller has done with cersei yeah i really like that um so a lot of people in the forums were asking like why did we pick this particular book compared to many of the other Tanithley stories that are out there? Um and it, I think for me it was just really that we I haven't read any of her works before. Uh, this is one, you know, the, the Tales from the Flat Earth uh, in this book were are are ones that have won a lot of awards and and that kind of seemed to crop up on a lot of the the lists that we looked at. So yeah, I didn't have a real uh, uh, like a strong reason why I picked this over anything else. Um it was more just like it sounded very interesting and I just wanted something that was very representative of the author. I I'm not 100% sure if that's what we got. I feel like a lot of people said that it is pretty representative of of her works. Um so yeah, we could definitely have more discussion about that over in the forums. Um, I can't say that I loved the book. I think if I if I really read it as a collection of connected short stories, which is what it was, um, it, that made it a little more easier to to digest. And I think uh, I think um, um, who said this in the forums. Um, uh, anyway, uh, there were there were a number of people who 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 were like having trouble with some of the the themes in the book and especially some of the the sexual aspects, um, the the weirdness, the kind of creepiness of the the first sexual interaction between between how do you say his name? Asharn, 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 the demon. Asran. 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 Did you listen to the audiobook? Yes, I did. Okay, good. That's that's useful. I was to trying me. to Thank remember. You. That's what took me so long. Say it again. Azran. Azran? Azran? I'm probably getting it wrong, but that's what I remember. Like Azrael, but Azran? Okay. Yeah, like Aslan from Narnia, except okay. the opposite, because he's evil. It's like all There's the other really names evil, that are not though. necessarily... I mean, yeah. that, that's the Come other on. thing is, it's not a clear evil and good. He is... He is different than the devil, right? The devil is evil. The devil is like, I whatever is bad, that's what I do. He is just self-interested. So he's predominantly doing evil things. No, but he also likes to mess with mankind, with yeah. humankind. Like that's like because I mean but he's I not don't doing know, them any favors. I don't know that he is 
wholly evil. He is he is a creature of of his own motivations. He has his own internal set of rules, whereas pure evil is just contradiction and and bad. Whatever's bad, that's what I do. He does. So, Ezra, Ezra doesn't always do bad. He occasionally does a nice thing, right? Despite himself. No, but he only no. He only really ever does a nice thing if it's going to serve him. That's what I mean. Some He's way down the line, which is different than pure evil. But can you really say it's nice if it's completely based in self-interest? I'm not saying it's nice. You just said he sometimes does nice things. Well, he does things that are nice. I'm not saying he does them because he's nice. But I'm saying he's not the devil. No, he's, he's not got the more devil. Depth than the devil. The devil's pretty flat. Like whatever's wrong, that's me. And and Azrin has more he has he has more to him than that. There, Honestly, there seems to to be some depth to him. That that I think makes him more interesting as a character because of that. I think it was uh, one of the more interesting parts to me was when he does go up to like the heaven equivalent and all the angels and gods that are up there just like do not give a shit. Yeah. They're just like he could barely even figure them out. They like ignore him and he's like trying to get their attention. And then he <laughs> I did find that amusing. Yeah. Um, th- th- that's what I that's what I mean. Like he would have to have more of an effect if he was pure evil, I think. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with you. Um, I can see where you're coming from. I'd be interested to know what what the people in the forums think. Um, but yeah, I, oh, they all I think, think I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe, and you're wrong. By the and way, and also I'm wrong. There's no right. There's no right in here. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and I don't think any book we're ever going to pick is going to be entirely representative of a particular author. But one of the reasons I know that you picked this uh, when I was going through creating the book briefing for it, this is often cited as the one you should start with uh, and by, by many people doing recommendations. So, you know, that's a lot of people think, yes, if you want to get into Tanith Lee, start here. It isn't entirely representative. It isn't necessarily her best, but it's the best entry way. At least some people think that. Yeah. And I think the, uh, the, the initial sexy time scene was pretty intense for a lot of people. Just because it, I feel like we've had more intense descriptions. I think it was. We talked about this a lot on the last episode. Like the idea that he was like a a son figure. It was like father figure, son figure relationship potentially. But also they related it to a lot of different kinds of relationships. I guess because it's wrapped in mythology, I'm like, oh yeah, Zeus did that all the time. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but that's it. I think that's that's the connection a lot of people made too. Was that it is because it does feel like mythology. It feels like less grounded in reality or that's just they just operate under a different set of of more mores you know mm-hmm. so it's like that's just how they operate and it's not meant to be reality it's meant to be this like dreamlike state this like fantastical world it doesn't make it okay and doesn't make it necessarily better but i think some people can car- compartmentalize that in a different way um in those kinds of instances well and this is not uh, this is not a criticism uh, in 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 any way, uh, but uh, I I felt like you know the um, the the scenes that we saw earlier this year uh, were were much more difficult to get through. The scenes we saw earlier this year when we were reading um, oh shoot I'm, an unkindness of ghosts by River Sullivan. Oh, because yeah. those are not unreal. Those are real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though they're on a spaceship, you're like, Ooh, that could you could put that in a mainstream novel set in today, and uh, it would 
be very disturbing. And it is very disturbing. And it's meant to be. And we talked about that on those episodes. These particular scenes, I, I, they, they're just so... They're so different in in the setting and, like you say, the fantastical well, and, nature of yeah. them. Again, and not not to, not to lessen anybody's discomfort. Of course, everybody of course. everybody can feel however they feel about this stuff. It's it's you know definitely takes all kinds. Everybody's going to have different degrees of of comfort and you know interest in in this kind of the in stories that have sexual elements to them or or rape. I mean, it's 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 awful no matter what the circumstances are, um, but. Yeah, I think it was. So I didn't love this book. I thought it was interesting. I definitely like I wasn't about to lem it. I wanted to see it through to the end, especially since a lot of people said the ending was the most interesting part. And I do agree. I think when when he has that moment of realization, like, wow, like if the humans aren't around anymore, there's no one to be afraid of me. And then what am I? It's very much like on on. um, Oh, what was I just reading on? um. You know, when the, oh, okay. So like in the Iron Druid Chronicles, for example, like all all the gods of all the different pantheons are around on earth because there's still some pocket of humanity that believes in them. Well, and American the second, Gods has that flavor too, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's like the same kind of conceit. And so as soon as 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 there's no more people around to to fear you or to worship you or to pray to you, like you, you no longer exist. It's like, you know clapping and a fairy gets its wings or whatever. I don't know. But it's it's the same kind of idea, right? If everyone and, believes, yeah. Yeah. And so he, he uh, uh, Azran is like, I got to do something to fix this. And it's not, it's not it, self-interest. It's still motivated by self-interest. But it was interesting to see him kind of have to be humbled a bit by, by that in the end. And there's so much to this to these stories. Uh, they, they're mul- they, it is really a collection of short stories, even though they're all tied together um, by an overarching event. It's, it's kind of like a, like an anthology TV series <laughs> in a way. It did get a, a kick out of the weird, like, like goblin spider sex story. That was a, that was a special one or snake. Wasn't a snake. Oh yeah. The spider snake or that was snake. up was in the tree. And, yeah. Again, sp- for I, this is maybe a difference between you and me, but I forget <laughs> that these are that sex even plays into these stories because there's so much else to them that you could just leave that out. To me, and that one was just funny. I was just trying to jog your memory. Yeah, yeah. I, well, when you said spider sex, I'm like, I don't know what that is. And then you said snake. I'm like, oh, right. The snake that tempted everybody because it was up in the tree and and only the guy who was blind could show up and he was really good looking, but he didn't know it because he was blind. And yeah, it all came back to me. Mm. I was talking about the one where they made the the little goblin dude, the drow or however you say it, was made a little like um, a snake statue inside his little house. And then the oh, other and snake it was a really good like, statue. fell in love with it. And everybody wanted it. But didn't that end up going out into the world? Isn't that how that worked? No, I, I don't remember. Am I mixing I up two remember. stories? Yeah. See, well, mythology. That's how it gets you. We create All our right. own mythology. Well, thank you, regardless, uh, for reading Knight's Master with us and having some discussions in the forums. It was it was really interesting, um, and I hope you guys all enjoy diving into Cersei with us. Um, I think it's it's uh, also like it, it's empowering and also fun and also you know pretty intense in, in some parts. So also I, not I, part of the Game of Thrones universe. No, it is not. It's not that Cersei. It is not. Yeah. I was like, so I can say it like that, right? And everyone in the forums is like, yeah, just say it that way. So it worked out. 
That's it. That's well, the end folks, of the show. That's I it. need your pre-orders before we go. Uh, I'm 75% <laughs> of the way to having a sequel to Pilot X funded with just two weeks left to fund. So I know many of you have pre-ordered Trigger uh, on Inkshares, uh, but if you have read Pilot X and you'd like a sequel, or if you have not read Pilot X and you'd like a fun time travel adventure story, then check it out at Inkshares.com. Just look for T-R-I-G-O-R or go to Tom'sNewBook.com. It'll take you right there. And you made a book trailer. I did. And it has pie and coffee. And a lot of the story is about the search for pie and coffee. So if that sounds good to you, it'll work that way too. It does. And of course, our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons. Thank you to all the folks who back our show. If you want to help us out, head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. You can find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.